The following podcast is produced on the lands of the Boomerang people of the Kulin Nation in Victoria, Australia. I acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands, pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome back to Bite Your Thumb, a podcast in which I will explore my complete disdain for what is arguably Shakespeare's most well-known play, Romeo and Juliet. I'll be real with you all right now, I've been really excited to cover this topic on the show. It's been on the agenda since day one. It's even been mentioned in the trailer for the show, that's how excited I am to do this. Yes, I'm covering the one and only legendary musical adaptation. And no, it's not West Side Story, although why that didn't immediately cross my mind when I planned out these episodes, I don't know. Yeah, I should really put a pin in that one for later. No, today we will be diving into the campy, neon-coloured jukebox musical from 2019 and Juliet. There is a definite part of me that just really wants to hate this thing at the core of my being. I've had really bad rides with jukebox musicals before, but if I've learned anything whilst making this show, it's that I have to keep an open but still fairly critical eye on these things. So obviously I can't descend into this madness alone, I had to take my very special guest on the ride with me. This actor, writer, director and fellow podcast host will be a very familiar sight to Australians on the ABC channel. Starting with the comedy sketch show You're Skidding Me, to appearances on TV shows like Upper Middle Bogan, Sean McAuliffe's Mad as Hell, Back in Very Small Business, Get Cracking, Ronnie Cheng, International Student, and starring as the lead in the TV series adaptation of Tomorrow When the War Began. On top of that resume, she's also the creator of the wonderful eight-part web series Young Love. And she is a casual fan of musicals, which is all the information I needed to get her on board. So without further ado, let's delve into the West End with my friend. And Molly Daniels. Thank you, Molly, for joining me. I'm thrilled that you're here and we're going to be talking about this <laughs> insane thing that I discovered. I'd never thought, I mean, like, Romeo and Juliet, that was going to be a musical sooner or later, but like, I didn't think it would be what it is when I stumbled upon it. <laughs> no, and I, not, not to be disparaging towards this musical, but I thought it was already, I, didn't they do West Side Story? Wasn't there already a musical? <laughs> yeah, it was already a musical. <laughs> and you know what? It did fairly well. I think, yeah. <laughs> I'd say so. Like it's like it's four there, billion yeah. productions worldwide, right? But no, Ish. they were like, no, let's do it again. I just wanted to touch on um, how we know that know each other because I had our mutual friend Michelle on in an earlier episode where we just talked about fiction, yes. which was totally brilliant. And I Love. mentioned that I was looking for a guest to talk about this insane musical with, and you were her first suggestion. She's like, oh yeah, talk to Molly. She loves musicals. Please talk to Molly. <laughs> So <laughs> that's the best. Thank goodness. So are you a big musical fan or a bit, bit more of a casual fan? What's your stance? I would say I'm a casual fan, but the ones I like, I really get into. I'm I'm very much like I, this is a super privileged thing to say, but like I can't 
really get into a musical if I haven't seen it. Mm. Like someone will play me a soundtrack. I remember someone played me the Legally Blonde soundtrack and I was like, okay. And then I saw it and I was like, this is incredible. Why is no one talking about this? Were and you like, oh my God, like, we were. oh my God, you guys, this is great. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> oh my God. That's the only good musical joke I could possibly make. <laughs> it was perfect. It was no, the only one, but it was the best one. <laughs> I think I'm in the same position as you. I mean, like when I was like younger and I was like going through my musical phase, like this is before like real proper bootlegs existed, like in the way that they do now. I had my massive Phantom of the Opera phase which I loved even more once like, I saw a production of it. And then I had my even bigger Wicked phase, which I loved. Oh, yeah. So, so much. And I saw that like five times. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I loved it. And I was just like, I want to live in this musical. It is <laughs> so good. It is incredible. Yeah, but it's not the cool musical anymore. It's all about Hamilton. Hamilton, Dear Evan Hansen, everyone. Is always right, right. And I, like I haven't. I listened to half of Hamilton. I haven't listened to Dear Evan Hansen. I feel like I've been left behind now. It's just like, oh, is, is this what the kids are listening to? Cool. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's when lit. did I become an old lady in musical <laughs> theatre? <laughs> it's making me realise that I'm inching closer to thirty. It's, it's like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> all these Gen Zers are leaving me behind. <laughs> In the theatre world. <laughs> in the theatre world, you know. It's specific. Oh, God. It's so specific, but I feel it. I realised you were on, um, I don't know how many episodes it was, maybe it was just one, excuse me for not knowing, but you were on Upper Middle Bogan. Yes. Yes. I was in two episodes. Two episodes, that's right. And then another mutual friend of ours, Dylan was also in an episode as a one-off character. And, yes, and then, an iconic character. An iconic character. And then I was a background <laughs> actor in that show in the first season. So we've all really? been in that show, yeah. So I'm oh in the my episode God. where they do the, um, where um, Lara, who plays Edwina, does the orchestral cover of, of um, Am I Ever Gonna See Your Face Again? And you can see oh, amazing. A, yeah, and you can see me as a disapproving audience member in the very <laughs> last shot of the show. I don't make it anywhere else, but I'm right in the background. That's awesome. Oh, that's like, cool. You were upper middle. Dylan played a bogan. I was uh, with the bogan. We all we all got the Venn diagram. We covered we all, all got the bases. The, you're all the Venn diagram of bogans. <laughs> and to any international listeners, if you don't know upper middle bogan, go check it out. <laughs> it's a great show. And it's so good. It's it called so Best good. of Both Worlds internationally because really? they don't know what bogans are. Yes. True. I would have thought that could have been a good educational opportunity, but no, I think bogan's a bit too much. <laughs> Just to set a baseline because I get all sorts of people on the show and they either love or hate Romeo and Juliet or are kind of indifferent. So what's your feeling just about the play in general? I think I love it more than I hate it. I don't, it's not something that I'll like go back to or quote or pretend to know like a whole heap about, but I do mm. remember, I just think anything that is such a like a well of creative, like people keep adapting it, people always mm. go back to it. I think that's just, that speaks to what the content is, even if it is kind of ridiculous and like we've all pulled it apart and been like, they're so young, they're idiots. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we know. But I do, I just think, yeah, the fact that it does have multiple musicals and all these film iterations, anything that gives people that much to work with, like that much meat to cook, mm. I guess, I think is pretty cool. You can feed 
extended family with all that meat. <laughs> it's crazy. No vegetarians allowed, please. Oh shit! Sorry, guys. <laughs> no vegetarians allowed <laughs> to this analogy. That's me. I just cut myself out of the party. Yeah, we're all at the barbecue. There's so much. Oh, I'm meat. so sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> Any tangent is a good tangent on this show. Like, like we can not Love even that. If we even only talk about Romeo and Juliet for like five minutes, that's fine. Yes, <laughs> and Juliet. <laughs> what what a time! Well, so, did you give it a listen? I How did. M- did you listen to all of it? Um, no, okay, so because it's a jukebox musical, mm. which I only recently learned was a thing. I saw Rock yeah. of Ages as dinner theatre not that long ago. Oh, wow. In America, I saw a production of Rock of Ages and I was like, it took about four songs and I was like, hang on, I know these songs. And then I understood a jukebox <laughs> musical. Um, and so I was, when I listened to Anne Juliet, I did go through by songs that I knew, which was honestly 90% of them. They are oh, yeah. very well-known songs. Yeah. It's, it's one guy. Yeah, it's all one guy. And that's what blew my mind. So I was thinking, I looked at it, it's like, wait, Anne Juliet, weird. And then I looked at this Max Martin guy who is pretty much the songwriter, just the the one. He's, I would say yeah. he's the Shakespeare of our time. He's just doing everything. Oh, he's writing all the songs. My God, I'm going to quote you on that. We'll send Thank that. You. We'll send this along to Max Martin. He's like, we think you're the Shakespeare <laughs> of the modern times. The pop songs of <laughs> our time. Songs. Sorry, but we're going to critique your musical. <laughs> <laughs> we'll open with that compliment and then open with that compliment. Yeah, backhanded compliment. Well, not completely backhanded because I don't know how to feel about it yet. Anyway. But funny thing about Max Martin, because I was like trawling through his Wikipedia page and Anne Juliet mm. isn't mentioned at all. Like it's a separate, <gasps> it's a separate Wikipedia page and it links to Max Martin's page, but on his Wikipedia page, that's just him, the musical is not mentioned at all. And I'm like, oh my god. Was that an oversight or is that intentional? Like how does he feel about it? I wonder. It's so recent though. Like it's, it's true. It, I mean, twenty nineteen. It couldn't be like yeah, it couldn't be like in 12 months he's gone, I regret everything. <laughs> I'm ashamed. Take it off. No, I hope not. I'm sure he's very proud. But yeah, I was blown away about with how much he's done. He's worked with Britney Spears. He's worked with the Veronicas, the Backstreet Boys. It's That's wild. It's truly wild. So how thrilled I was that they were all turned into a, <laughs> into a Broadway musical. Oh, do you think every song he ever wrote was building to this music. He was just writing I songs. I think this was like, his Hey, plan. Brittany, maybe you should sing about hitting me, baby, one more time so that it could fit as the opening song of my musical. Like, maybe he was just planting those seeds for, like, <laughs> like he's got, over 20 years. He's got, his, like, his little black book with, like, all the songs that all the artists <laughs> he just, like, crosses through Britney Spears. Like, yes. <laughs> now I've got to go to the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Tick. <laughs> But unfortunately, he didn't write it. Like, he obviously did all the music, but it was written by David West Reed, who I didn't really know anything about until I looked him up. And it turns out he's one of the main writers on Shit's Creek, which is a show oh, okay. I absolutely adore. And I figured, okay, maybe this makes a bit more sense. Because I started listening to the musical and I read the synopsis, which was insane. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I saw he wrote Shit's Creek. I'm like, okay, that makes a bit more sense. <laughs> this has some elements of Shit's Creek in the story. So do you know the story of the musical or did you just listen to the songs? Um, I would love a, I did 
read it, but I've forgotten. I would love a little refresher. <laughs> a little refresher. <laughs> it felt so, like a fever dream. Yeah. Reading the synopsis was a bloody fever dream, honestly. Yeah. You know how so, I said it's hard for me to get into musicals if I haven't that, seen them? That was like yeah. 10 times. <laughs> yes, exactly. And like I was even going through like YouTube and the internet being like, are there any bootlegs? And I couldn't find any. So I was like, well, I'm just going to have to use the old musical theatre in my brain and put it on in there and see if I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, and Juliet, I think, and this is something I do want to talk about a little bit later, because I think the, like, the core idea of the musical is a really good idea. So basically, it's about revisiting the story and asking, okay, wait, it's the end of Romeo and Juliet, Romeo's dead, Juliet's about to stab herself but what if she didn't? What if she didn't die at the end? And I'm like, mm. that's totally brilliant. You could take this really cool feminist lens at that sort of story and really dig deep into the ideas and her journey as a young woman. It's like, no, she goes with her nurse and her non-binary friend to Paris. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not suffering trauma at all from this experience I just went through. Time to sing <laughs> Katy Perry. <laughs> Honestly, however you deal with your trauma, however you do, respect it. Grief is not a singular process, girl. It's different (laughs) for everyone. Yes, yes, Julie. Yes, Queen. I was listening to the soundtrack and I heard a yes in there somewhere, and I was just like, oh no, stop it. I don't remember remember which song it was. I'll try and remember, but I heard a yes. And I was like, okay, girl. Basically, she goes off to Paris with her nurse, who is called Angelique in the play, and her random non-binary friend, May. Her parents threaten to send her to the convent, which they do in the original play. And that's really the only factor left from the original play that's in this musical, the threat from the parents to send her to a nunnery. So she fucks off to Paris, meets this other guy called Francois. Imagine that, meeting a guy called Francois in Paris. And then they start hooking up, and then it turns. Did she just look at the? What is Paris in again? And then someone went Francois, and that's how they came up with the name. I got it. That's it. (laughs) So she meets up with this Francois guy. They hook up, but then Francois starts getting feelings for May, and they start having a thing on the side. And oh dear. And Juliet somehow gets engaged again. It's just like you've done this once before, girl. How are you doing this again? Is she still? Born? Is she still super young? I mean, it, not they. It's not, okay. They. I don't remember which song it was. It's the song with. The, oh, it's, it's actually a song I skipped because I hated it so much. It's the song between <laughs> the nurse and her love interest called Lance, who has the most horrendous, like, typical oh, 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 French accent. <laughs> okay. And I'm singing Teenage Dream, <laughs> the way you turn me on, and I'm like, stop singing, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I, I love Katy Perry. I love, I think she's great. Um, Teenage Dream I also did not listen to because that song is just, we, I'm gl- like, I'm we glad already you had Glee do a cover of it. I don't need more musical versions. Right? Like, I'm fine with Darren Chris doing Teenage Dream. Stop after that. <laughs> no more. The nurse is like, oh, I should That's probably enough. be following Juliet because she needs me to protect her. And he's like, oh, but isn't, how young is she? Isn't she her own woman? What is she, 13? And she, she's like, no, early 20s. <laughs> so oh. It's fine. She's of the age oh. of consent. It's fine. Cool. Just skip that whole problematic I, part of the story. 
amazing. I mean, in that era, nearly dead. Honestly, get moving, Julia. Yeah, you're Your basically an old mate you. if you weren't married yeah. at 13. <laughs> you were <laughs> like TikTok, hurry up. <laughs> TikTok, so, is that in there? No, unfortunately not. I don't think controversy worked his magic on that. Just nothing surprised me by the second act. I was like, any song could be. Any easier. song could happen. And it's truly because no. I was trying to read the synopsis as well as listen to the soundtrack so I could understand what's going on. Because, like, with normal musical soundtracks, you get a bit of story in, like, the songs and all that stuff. So you get some, like, dialogue in there. So you kind of get, oh, okay, this is what's happening. But there's mm. none of that in the soundtrack. You have to, like you were saying before, it's one of those shows you actually have to see so you can fully get into it and understand what's going yes. on. Here's the thing, so like all this stuff happens, <laughs> lots of love triangle stuff, and obviously, sorry guys, spoiler alert, for this, for this musical, but... Whoa! Sorry, spo- massive spoiler alert, so just skip this episode if you don't <laughs> want to be spoiled for this show, but fucking Romeo comes back, he's not dead, he's alive. Romeo rocks up, and even in this, like, I was trying to find out why he wasn't dead, but it's not explained. He's just like, I'm alive. Where's my wife? <laughs> I'm what? back. And he sings, what's that song? It's my life. I'm gonna live forever. And I'm like, get stuffed. That's I, too good. I actually wrote this down because I felt such, <laughs> I felt a moment of rage because there was a bit of a dialogue because I was listening to the official soundtrack on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, like he's singing the song and it's in the bridge and I don't know who's talking and but someone says like go Romeo your only hope you're back from the dead and then Romeo says yeah it's super dope it's my life and I was like kill me man oh <laughs> my god and that's when I skipped the song I was like I'm done that's too good <laughs> it was like a part of me hated it but a part of me loved it it's just like that is I, they know what they're leaning into with this music. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's was probably, like, I'm sure it would be so much fun to see. Because yes, yeah. it would just be so kind of kitsch and camp and, like, amazing. It's so hard getting the energy through the, just through the soundtrack. So true. And, like, all the comments on all the videos from the songs were, like, super positive. People were loving it. Like, it's like, I remember seeing this in person and I nearly pissed my pants. It's so amazing. It's just, like, people were loving it. And I didn't find many bad reviews of the show at all. I found, like, maybe one two-star review. And that was it. And everything else was like, and like you were saying, you're like, it's camp, it's kitschy, it's ridiculous. The story doesn't make sense. It sounds like fan <laughs> fiction, but I love it. <laughs> In case there are any like hardcore fans of the musical out there listening and like they want to come after me, don't come after me. Because like, I'm not trying to slam the musical. I'm just trying to understand the angle that it's going for. It's so, but like, I, I, I feel terrible. I cannot remember the site that I read it on, but the, I read like an op-ed about Hamilton that was saying, defending, you know, all the liberties taken with Hamilton. Oh, yeah, yeah. As saying, yeah, it's fan fiction. It's historical fan fiction mm. and kind of listed all the ways that it was like fan fiction. And then I, look, reading about this, I went, oh, it's the same thing. It's taking an idea and just completely changing it. Yeah. So I, if I still love Hamilton, I can't really get mad at this musical for doing <laughs> the same true. thing. That is true. That's actually a very good point. I can't get too mad at it because it is taking liberties with so much of the story. <laughs> Yeah. Can I just say quickly, yeah. the fact that you looked this all up on YouTube, your algorithm's going to be bonkers. Oh, no. <laughs> Why'd you tell me that? <laughs> Sorry. I just was like... <laughs> I mean, my algorithm is already suggestion. bonkers. 
like embroidery how-to videos and video <laughs> essays about queer horror and other weird shit like pancake recipes it's like it, it's going to be more fucked up after this so you're totally right i did not think about that at all i should have signed out <laughs> it's a very interesting thing this musical because i didn't really know what to expect listening to it but then reading more and more about it seeing like all the young queer people that were really jumping on this show and really loving it the fact that um one of the main writers for Shit's Creek was on it which is a very well celebrated queer tv show which is amazing and it was actually um I forget the name of the director um it's on the main website but the director of the show um because it was running in London before COVID um shut it Mm. all down but the director um he was in charge of the UK West End version of In the Heights from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh! That back to Hamilton. So it's like hardcore, powerful people like working on this show. Like very, very interesting. Totally. And like yeah. the synopsis, it talked about like, gen- like there was stuff about gender and the fact that there's a yes. non-binary character. Like that stuff is all just like super exciting to see in a mainstream musical so i think yeah there's total like there's lots there's pros and cons about the show and like the biggest pro is the representation so there's going to be lots of young people going to the show seeing that representation like and i can't say for sure like whether it's good representation or not that's up for like people who actually like identify as genderqueer or non-binary to decide they can make that analysis to see whether it's actually good or not but to actually just see it on stage and see it played out would be so thrilling and really emotional because that character may um sings um I forget who did the original version but I know it's that song I'm not a girl I'm not a girl not yet a woman it's Britney like, oh, fuck, yeah Brit- oh yeah Britney bitch and <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's the that's the natural response that, d- that just came out naturally I didn't even think it, about honestly that. it's involuntary just go it's Britney bitch and it's then you Britney carry bitch. on with your day yeah exactly <laughs> but <laughs> but like seeing that character sing that song would be such a powerful emotional moment so that was something I actually really respected it's just like That's so many young people are going to see that and be like yes so cool and what a cool way to repurpose that song as well mm, yeah That's I really interesting like not all of them worked <laughs> but like yes. some of them where they did work they worked yeah like this is totally I think that was again citing the other jukebox musical (laughs) of ages sometimes the way they like maneuver the plot to make one line in a song work you're like good god God, you you tried so watching an old person do like contortion contorting their body I was like this is wild <laughs> i'm impressed but it's like full on you're singing this now yeah <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna clap you're gonna sing along you're gonna be like yes and it's gonna be yeah. great move on to the next one that's so some dope, the, romeo that's dope i still can't get over the fact that he said that's dope that i'm not dead and i'm alive <laughs> i mean that's what i'd say if i was not dead after being dead i just went I hope someone like messages me on Instagram or emails me telling me what's the excuse? How do you walk away from killing yourself? <laughs> how do you get, how do you survive that? <laughs> Don't understand. Don't they go to his funeral? Yes, it's I'm... like, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a funeral right at the beginning of the show at Romeo's funeral. That's what I, I was thought. like, what happened? <laughs> oh, he thought he got poisoned, but he actually got the same stuff that Juliet had that was just the long sleep. Whoopsie. That's probably the way they just Whoopsie daisies. Whoopsie daisies. That checks out. But that checked out. <laughs> got to go to 
France and be like, stop, that's my wife. I'm yeah. Back. And through song. Through song and dance. And oh. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Very impressive. <laughs> Just thinking about because usually I have like a clear idea of what I'm talking about these episodes, but when I think about this musical, my brain just shuts off. It's just like it's chaotic. It's, it's chaotic. very fun, but it's it's yeah. I couldn't be more chaos. like I need to see this. I need the I, I need the pudding for the proof to see this. And I did check their website. They are going to be running again in December, so they're going to okay. first show hopefully post-COVID will be the 15th of December. So guys, you can check it out if you want to see it. If you're in London, <laughs> please go see the, see the show for me and report back. <laughs> it's like, oh my <laughs> what is it actually like? Tell me. So, you know what? Give us the deets, well. please. Give me the, the tea. Looking at how they do everything, introduce these characters and touch on these points. Because like, as I've been going through this podcast and doing all these really cool episodes with people that have been like opening up my mind about Romeo and Juliet because like before I did this show, I was like completely shut off from it. Like it's stupid. It's dumb. My opinion hadn't changed on the play at all since I was 15 years old. And then I was like, I right. should probably revisit this. And like my mind's been opened about is it. like, it's a lot more than a love story guys. It's actually so deep. I've been wondering like what the intention of this show is. Like it's a jukebox mu- musical. It's fun. It's harmless. It's kitsch and really, really camp. But um, last episode that I did, I was talking with my friend, Sam, who's an actor who played Romeo last year in a production of Romeo and Juliet. It was a, like, it was Shakespeare under the stars, which is very, popular apparently here in Australia so you go to the Melbourne Botanical Gardens and go see Romeo and Juliet and it's all fun and gay when audiences walked away from Juli- from my production and I saw reviews of it they were just talking about oh how how fun the experience was I got to sit under the stars and eat pizza and see this this big yes. magical production and they didn't actually walk away thinking about the story and like the deeper themes of it so I wonder is Anne Juliet contributing to this ongoing narrative of Romeo and Juliet is just a love story and nothing else. Let's just take it at the surface level. So do you think it could be contributing to that? Totally. When I was reading about it, I thought it's so funny because it it's changed now, but I, I was obsessed with the film version of West Side Story. Mm. I watched it a, so many times and mm. I just loved it. But that to me was so much a love story. Yeah. And even the stuff about what you know these kind of the gangs that they do it's all very clever but it's all diminished by the fact that like Natalie Wood is actually a white person putting on an accent and it's like super problematic and it kind of that removes it I didn't know that when I watched it I I mean someone told me I was like wait a second what yeah that's just a tan so offensive just a tan oh yeah that and that's a whole other thing with everything going on this year that's like Oh, that's a big. Oh, point. yeah. Oh my god. And that's why it's really exciting now that like uh, Spielberg is making a new version, and like that you're getting to like they're having a chance to reclaim that space as a movie and a musical. Mm. Um, but I do think even with all that stuff, it's still a love story. Yeah. More than anything else, which I'm interested to see like how that changes with the new film. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and I think just because there are so many, ver- like my, this is so embarrassing, but my high school did it, a very waspy high school and all the sharks just like got fake tans and did accidents and it was oh, so problematic. No. I played one of the jets, so I like was not in the line of fire, but like it's terrible. 
Um, oh my anyway. God. The point is, I can see to me and Juliet felt like the total inverse of like that mm. culture that West Side Story created. With um, when I was talking with Sam, the Montagues were um, all white people, but all the Capulets were southeast asian or like token oh, wow. indians and they had like a giant bollywood number right as the dance as like the dance party the party where romeo meets juliet and he thought it wasn't to necessarily celebrate a culture or bring a different depth to the show by incorporating elements of this culture or this racial background or perspective into any of it it was just to put on a number so we could catch people's attention in the right park while they were eating their pizza and not then look up from their pizza exactly so i'm wondering if this musical is kind of doing that in a way because it's like pop songs pop songs it's so hard to say without it is it It really is and that's what's bothering me because like i wish i could go see this like if i have any money whatsoever next year and i'm allowed i will definitely fly to london for like one night just go see that then fly back just see it. <laughs> that's the reason to open the borders guys just it is <laughs> i've got a go podcast to do <laughs> don't you understand i always think like because i'm a writer and yeah. i do think like you have to it's this balance between sharing the space and like giving a platform to other voices and mm. then when you have the platform you use it for representation absolutely and so I hope that, like, and I, I'm trying to be, yeah, optimistic and go, I hope that this is mm. the guy from Shit's Creek is putting something in a voice that matters to him and putting in characters because yeah. they matter to him. And, yeah, I mean, obviously in anything that ever gets made, there are these mm. voices being like, oh, is it cool to be queer? Get in here. Yeah. Well, what's going to make us We've money? But then quota. you hope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah then you do hope that the people that actually are telling the story and playing the characters and stuff mm. like if a non-binary person gets to go see this musical and see themselves in a musical yeah. that's so exciting so yeah it's I really, do hope it's a good musical I really do that hope reason. that as well and that would just be so beautiful but like they, that's something that they push really really hard in the show like the feminist agenda it's all about girl power and like being your own woman and making your own choices and I feel like that is often made a selling point in some media as well. Oh, they it's like such completely a... like try to manipulate young women. It's just like you're a feminist, right? Our show's feminist too. Give us your money. It's so cheeky. In the last Avengers cheeky. film, when they had that shot where all the women, oh my god, right, every female character was together. I was literally crying at it, but I was also <laughs> so angry. Like I was like, look at all those girls, and then I was like, how dare you manipulate me like this? But it's yeah. working. And it's just like, how many of them are going to get their own movie? Maybe one. Oh. <laughs> Black <yeah>. Widow. <laughs> and all the other characters <laughs> in the Marvel Universe that are women, like in the comics, we'll make a movie of them in like 50 years when we feel like Yeah, it. or they'll get like a TV show that goes for one season. Season that gets cancelled for no reason. Yeah. I'm so in and out with those films. Yeah. I... They're just like, aren't you a writer? Don't you think it's amazing? I'm like, well, <laughs> first of all, rude. Second of all... <laughs> let me watch what i want exactly (laughs) again off topic like because i was gonna say what you touched on like having these people tell these stories and and inciting representation because i was looking at the key creative team on the webs on their website which is super super interesting so there's 
a key creative team of 17 people. And of those 17 people, they were the key creatives that actually created the, the show and put them all together. Four of those were women. Yeah, far out. So and and all like, the songs are by a guy. Yeah, and like so many of Max Martin's songs are like considered like girl power ballads. Completely. And it's just like... Since you've been gone. Sorry, I just you, oh my, that one was in it. That was a good one, obsessed. actually. I enjoyed that. Like, and I caught myself yeah, singing along to some of them and I was just like, stop it. But of course, that gone. was really yeah, back. yeah. <laughs> and it's, it was just like that is very interesting so like I'm gonna sound like such yeah. a cynic but it's just like they're just using like queer pride and girl power to get butts in seats is that what's happening or am I just reading too much of it am I just too much of a no, I, cynic I totally get that I mean yeah I don't know who of those 17 queer people or that's what I was gonna bring up as well because I was hoping maybe there's some queer people in there and I totally would accept that and be like yes like I'll buy yeah I'll, I'll eat my words yeah because again it's that thing of you go like well do we do we have to say thank you because they had the space and they used it to give voices to other people or should they True. not have had that space to begin with True. and they should have given that platform to someone else instead mm. like to women and people like it's so Again, and yeah, you kind of, you sit there between going like, I want to criticise you guys, I but, also, like, it, but I also like, I don't know like the story. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm having fun, but I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to be. Yeah, like, I've just been, like, that's just been sitting in my brain all week, like, having these thoughts, like, about this musical and yeah. just wondering if that's valid or if I should just let that go and let it be what it is. I respect it I think maybe as well it must be such a I love and I mean I'm sure you talked about this with Michelle queen of fan fiction but like <laughs> the idea of using Romeo and Juliet like I said it's such a springboard for so many other mm. ideas it is great that you can have a musical where a character's been dead the whole time and he comes in at the end of act one he's like I'm alive and everyone knows who he is and you didn't yeah. have to lay that groundwork down that's mm. pretty appealing as a writer to be like oh I'll just pop, pop him back in it yeah and like how many other shows are you going to see William Shakespeare singing I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys <laughs> you are not going to get My that experience God. anywhere else <laughs> that's incredible and he sings a reprise of it as well so you get it good twice. bring it back bring it back that's amazing to the Backstreet Boys <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry I'm so sorry you have to put up with this no <laughs> perfect um sorry the exact like, energy that this musical elicits yeah, exactly yeah I just look at the end of my notes and it just says Romeo and Juliet for the glee generation I think that's oh my true. god yeah I think it is because there's so many young people I forget how many people that are younger than me actually grew up watching glee like it was on when I was young and I didn't really and I like maybe watched the first season and then didn't pay attention there were, there were hmm. lots of young people that like followed up on the seasons that came and like religiously followed it and loved it so I'm like it's kind of playing like it's like media can't let glee go it's just like we can still squeeze some money out of this we can still do something with it yes I don't there's I think it must feel so safe for people yeah. to hear songs they already know and feel mm. comforted like oh look it's a new story it's very like glitzy but mm. it's still you've heard this song on the radio or yes. you've heard this song on Spotify. Like yeah. that's, that's very clever. And I think is endlessly appealing mm. to people, especially if you don't care about musicals, but you, yeah, exactly. You love Bon Jovi. 
That is a demographic. <laughs> All the 13-year-olds that love Bon Jovi. I... <laughs> Wait a second. Glee <laughs> <laughs> did it. And they actually did a good job. They did well. Let me buy it every season on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that's it's an enigma, this show. Like, you could take any sort of good or bad thing from it. But I'm excited to see how it gets... Because there were lots of initial reviews, both good and bad, that came out when the show started. And it's going to pick up again in December. Yeah. So after everything, like, the, the shit fire that this year has been, it'll be interesting to see how this show sort of performs in a that, new world, basically. That's fascinating. I wonder if people, I mean, it's probably going to do really well. Like, yeah. just listening to the music, people probably just want to never think about this time again mm. and just want to feel joy. And it sounds like that show will provide on that. So Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what Romeo and Juliet is. It is a form of escapism about this great love and I think that's why it is like you were saying it's such a great springboard to revisit again and again and again because people just we never want to admit it but we just love love like in any of its formats especially if there's a good pop beat behind it it's it's very interesting so I actually am very eager to see how this show does come December time and it's actually been I was looking at the Wikipedia page again and it's been nominated for like a ton of Laurence Olivier awards, which are like the obviously the big really West End awards. So best new musical, best actress, best actor, best set design, best costume design. Honestly, I think it's a shoe in for best costume design because if you look at the costumes, especially on their website, they're like they're killer. They're like they're real good. Oh. I gotta hit up this website. You do. Happening. Well, you know, (laughs) once this episode comes out, I'll have all the links so you can give it a clicky click, and you can have a look at everyone. Because like, there's a like page on the website that's just photos, but it doesn't tell you who anyone is. So there's like no context for who their characters are. But it's like, I love your hair though. It's great. Oh, a sexy mystery. Love that. It is a sexy mystery. That's that should be the description (laughs) of the show. It's a sexy mystery. I mean, that's how it feels to me. I'm like, is, what is this thing? I'm into it, but what is it? I'm into it. I like, I think I'm going to dedicate the rest of the week trying to finish listening to the soundtrack and not just walking away for half an hour being like, I'm done. I can't. So there was, uh, there are just some, like, it's any Backstreet Boys song on there, I'll like listen to for sure. Oh, yeah. But like when the big closing number, or I don't know if it was the closing number, but like one of the end ones was like, can't stop the feeling. And I was oh like, oh my God, I saw I that. I'm not listening. I cannot, that. no disrespect yeah. to JT or anyone, but that song, which was originally on the Troll soundtrack. Soundtrack, yeah. How did like, that happen? That's enough of that song. <laughs> Please. Yeah, and exactly. And they also have um, Ellie Goulding's Love Me Like You Do, which was originally for the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. It's just like, what are you doing here? That is so funny. <laughs> I just think about bad BDSM when I hear that song. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. At least it's more fitting than Trolls. I don't know. I mean, Trolls and Nomeo and Juliet, that kind of links. Remember that? <laughs> That, that should be an episode. I'm not going to tell you how to run your I podcast, but there should be a Nomeo and Juliet episode. Stepped into my mind, Molly, because I genuinely considered maybe that should be an episode. Oh, my God. Ah! You know what, Molly, just for you, I will do an episode about Nomeo and Juliet. Yes. It is on. It's on. Yes. <laughs> the best news. So if any 
you know, seasoned film critics or animation fans, we'll talk about the seminal classic that is No Man oh. Juliet. Please get into <laughs> No Man There's Juliet. too many things. At the start, I was like, it's great. It keeps creating new content. Now I'm like, stop it. We <laughs> Please no cease and desist. I'm <laughs> putting a restraining order against the estate. It's like, stop letting them do it. <laughs> stop it. So yeah, I'll do No Man Juliet. And then there was a sequel. There was a second movie. So that will be in its own episode. What? <laughs> there was. <laughs> and oh it was like included. Goodness. But it was like not about them. It was about like, no, it was Sherlock Gnomes. It was about a detective oh, gnome. Never but forget Gnomeo Sherlock and, Gnomes. Sherlock Gnomes and Gnomeo and Juliet were still there. So I'm going to put They should on. keep making gnomes content. This isn't related what? to Romeo and Juliet, but they should do better gnomes and gardens. <laughs> Gnome alone. Oh my god! Oh my god! I got to call some people. No this is a franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should just start your own podcast about gnome-related media. Ah, uh, clearly that's the, that's my big takeaway. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for mentoring me. <laughs> oh, anytime, because <laughs> I'm an ex- expert. <laughs> Yuck. Just because most of us are still in lockdown and we're looking for that sweet, sweet content, whether it's gnome related or not. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I'll branch out. <laughs> branch out. Uh, sorry, Molly, you do have to branch out from gnomes. I know it's hard, <laughs> but I think you need to diversify. <laughs> Is there anything you want people to check out or engage with while we're all waiting for lockdown to end? Anything you want to promote? Oh, what? Do I want people to engage with look if you have any like kids or little brothers and sisters I do a podcast called short and curly which is an ethics podcast and we just had a new season of that come out um which is very fun but it is yes for kids uh and then stuff I like I don't know I've been um I've been watching heaps of stuff that's been good I just finished search party that was really good I can recommend that absolutely I would I've heard about that that looks really, really good. That was really good. And The Great, I watched that as well. I'm saying these like they're little oh gems God. no one's heard of. I fucking love The Great. I'm obsessed with How the show right now. good is so it? I'm just like season oh. two, where are you? Let's go. I know. So, obsessed. so good. Genuinely obsessed. And an Australian show. So put it, put it out there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing I really like. Oh, yep. If you have Audible, there's a podcast I like on that called Debutante that was really good by Miranda Tapsell and Nikia <gasps> Louie that I thought oh, was amazing. Obs- and I just think I'm everyone obsessed. should listen to that. I'm obsessed with both of them. I am I'm loving amazing. everything that they're doing. They had one already and then this was a, like a 10 part one. Ah, uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Yes, I will link to all of that. And you've done all sorts of shows that lots of... Australian people will recognise and maybe some international people will too so if you see Molly Daniels attached to anything go and watch it because you're very very good thank you oh thank you so much you're very welcome I actually oh my god I just thought of that I remember the very first time I saw you on anything it was it was your skidding me back in way back in the day when you were on it oh really yeah I was just like I remember seeing you and I'm just like this is fun times. This is very, very funny. So, Oh, that's the best. I, I don't know if you could watch that anywhere because that was on ABC quite a few years ago. That was a long time ago. I think very they had long time like ago. a bunch of the sketches on YouTube, but I don't think it's like a full series anymore. No. <laughs> no. But anyway, that was just a random thought. You've done a bunch of amazing things and I'll tell people to go check that out. <laughs> but yes, 
I'll link oh, everything. Thank you. Of course, of course. Thank you again. This has been oh, a weird little blast. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you. So that was me and Molly discussing, but mostly giggling around this bizarre musical, and I don't mind because it was so much fun. I don't know, I genuinely feel like all of my thought processes get chucked out the window when I try to talk about this musical, so apologies if this wasn't the deep academic discussion you may have wanted this to be, but I hope you had a laugh here and there. However, what I'd like to stress is that I am no authority whatsoever in determining what is or isn't good representation for the LGBTQI community. If there are any fans of the musical out there that see themselves in May's character and their storyline, then that is something wonderful and something that cannot be taken away from you, ever. Plus, like some kind of ding-dong, I completely forgot to mention in the discussion that the majority of the original West End cast are people of colour, including Miriam T. Klee, who played the titular role of Juliet, which is really, really awesome. Plus, the reviews of her performance were all glowing and her voice on the soundtrack is killer. Including this and, of course, Hamilton, there are still really only a handful of shows with all or majority non-white casts, so it's really important to highlight this show and make sure people people go see it whether they love it or hate it. And I'm being genuinely serious about this. If there are any listeners in London who are planning to go see And Juliet when it opens up again on the West End this December 15th, please report back via our Insta page or write us an email and let me know what you thought. Once again, I have to thank Molly Daniels for being such a wonderful guest and bringing a great discussion to the table. I've left links in the show notes for you to find out more about her work, including her Ethics for Kids podcast, Short and Curly. They recently did an episode on the concept of freedom and free will, so like Molly said, if you have any precocious little siblings who have philosophical leanings, you can jump onto ABC Radio, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts to start listening now. Amongst links to the TV shows we mentioned, as well as links to the And Juliet official website, which is very neon pink and cool, I've included a link to a really powerful video essay, which does a much more eloquent job at pulling apart the kind of fears I initially had and still vaguely hold for Anne Juliet. That being huge brands appealing to minority communities, maybe quote-unquote, to siphon their money without holding themselves accountable for much else. The essay is Evil Queens, A Queer Look at Disney History by James Summerton. It's about Disney's relationship with the queer community throughout the years. It's shocking, heartbreaking, and just really hits home how Disney, whilst not an evil company per se, it's not really admitting that a core of their most dedicated fans even really exist and yet appeal to said dedication just to make more money. It really made me tear up the end, honestly. James is a really talented and incredibly intelligent queer content creator, so please go watch this video and subscribe to his channel. That is it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Please don't forget to leave a review to let me know how I'm doing, and my contacts are always open if you have any questions or concerns or praise. Hopefully the latter a lot. As always, stay safe out there on the world of the stage and stay away from leather-toting song-and-dance boys that have risen from the dead and chased you down to Paris. Something tells me that won't be as dope in real life. Thank you for listening to Bite Your Thumb. Intro and outro music is Minstrel Guild by Kevin McCloyd. You can follow Bite Your Thumb on Instagram at Bite Your Thumb Pod, 
And for any questions, inquiries, or a sonnet, you can shoot us an email at biteyourthumbpod at gmail.com. 